You are talking about the nonsensical ravings of a lunatic mind. I got a bad feeling about this. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! He's looking at you, kid. What we got here is a failure to communicate. You could ask yourself a question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? American Daniel, uh, have you seen this film more than once now? You rewatched it recently? Yeah, I, I saw it about four years ago, so it doesn't. I wouldn't say I've seen it twice because back then I I was just starting to get into movies. So, so you watched it with a different eye. Oh yeah. And uh, Welsh Daniel, uh, did you see it recently for <laughs> first time? I'm sorry, this is dehumanizing both of you, but it's the best I can do. <laughs> um, I, I, I watched it today actually, and it was my first time. Oh wow! So it's very fresh yeah. in your mind. Yeah, I was really busy yesterday, so I ended up watching it this morning. So you're so, still yeah. highly disturbed. <laughs> <You're>... <laughs> um, possibly. I mean, I, I found myself uh, trying to watch this movie with a modern sensibility, which does not work, because the modern sensibility is, all right, what does this all mean? Are they in hell? Are they in purgatory? What's the twist? What's the symbolism? What's the, you know, what's the underlying theme? And as... Um, as someone who's not admittedly uh, as, as familiar with Bergman as I probably ought to be, but familiar enough to know that that's probably not the right way to view his films, right? They're all about questions rather than answers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is not a big problem, but there's still some themes here. I mean, obviously it's all about what they say, life, love, and death, right? Everything he does is about life, love, and death, and this movie definitely is. And boy, is this guy obsessed with faces. Lots of yeah. long facial close-ups. I don't know. I, I didn't notice until the second or third, but most of them have no blinking. Never, actually. Uh, I was just thinking earlier about how Persona, despite it being its own thing, obviously, but it, it seemed to be good practice for this movie because of how he worked with faces and uh, the whole fluidity of his editing and everything like that, kind of going off what you're saying. You think this sort of feeds into that, like he, he practiced some of those um, techniques and, and utilized them a lot more here. Yeah, and this is pretty much his first real color film, too. I mean, he had another one before it. I think called the love lost or something like that, but this was the only time he actually used color as a, <laughs> a symbol in the way kind of against what you were saying before, how nothing is really symbolic. But he also mentioned, I remember um, saying red was symbolizing the inside of the soul, quote unquote, as a moist membrane in shades of red. <laughs> <laughs> That's very specific. It sounds like he's actually describing a human heart, frankly. Yeah. Which might not be a mistake. Uh, what do you think of it, Daniel? Uh, Dan- Welsh Daniel? Um, I'm not sure what to make of it. I did like it. It's my- I've seen three other Bergman, but this is probably the weirdest. <laughs> I'd say. Persona was the first film of his I saw. I saw that last year. And that's. Most people know that. It's like, like you said, it's quite similar with the faces and like symbolism, human relationships. But this, this was strange movie <laughs> yeah i mean so, i'm not sure <laughs> i like what american daniel said about color because obviously he had the opportunity to make films in color a lot a lot earlier and a lot yeah. more often right and he chose not to and he did here because he wanted to make a point although it ended up looking like a 91 minute white stripes video with all the red and white everywhere <laughs> uh, i'll just dive into some just random thoughts I, w- I was thinking about it seems like you know i hate to piggyback on other people's opinions but it's hard not to go and google a movie like this after you see it which is what i assume a lot of us do just to kind of see what the talk is especially now that it's you know several decades yeah. old there's a lot of theory behind it and it seems 
seems like the predominant question for most people, and there's no consensus on this at all, is how many of the really extreme scenes, there's like three of them, how many of them are fantasies? And if so, whose fantasy or whose dream? I guess the three are, you know, Maria's husband killing himself, um, Karen mutilating herself, which, whoa, um, <laughs> and Anna uh, with, with Agnes coming back to life. Those are probably the three, like, borderline supernatural, is this really happening kind of scenes. Uh, what do you guys think? Are they, are they real? Are they meant to be? Are we meant to even know? Good question. I think maybe the mutilation one is real because when you see her naked, she seems to have some sort of cut on it. So I'm not sure, but I, I'm not sure about um, the when Agnes comes back to life because I think yeah, like you say, it's more fantasy, like what is a reflection of what the characters of like their lives, I guess, and what they believe. I think the mutilation is also real, be, more more so because she just seems so disgusted with her husband at every moment she can be, and it it almost just seemed like she was proud to do it. So yeah, like she she wanted she wanted to do it to to disgust her husband. <clears throat> that's that's why I got as well. So that he wouldn't touch her anymore because she didn't like to be touched. Does she yeah. have children? I don't think they say. I, I would guess not just from the rest of the theme of the film, because there's a, there's a pretty good argument. If you have to pick a theme, you could say it's a little bit about motherhood, right? Because their mother dies, and no one other than Agnes in the voiceover talks about it. Um, and uh, Anna obviously kind of takes on that role as a surrogate mother to Agnes. And as a result, those are the only two human characters in the film, really. You know, everyone else is just bizarre, because they have no mother. Um, but Anna and Agnes kind of support each other. Anna, um had a daughter who died at an early age. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not sure. I might have missed that in the film. So Yeah, exactly. Well, so she loses a daughter and then kind of treats Agnes like a daughter. You know, literally mothers yeah. her breast out and everything as if she's going to feed her, almost. Um, and Agnes, as a result, has lost a mother, so she allows her to. And those are the yeah, two most definitely. relatable... Right, and those are the two most relatable characters in the film, in the end, because Anna... Is really the only human, I feel like, <laughs> completely, through and through. Everyone else just feels like uh, some sort of suffering robot. Yeah, they're, like, very extreme visions of humans, like, whereas Anna's, like, the level-headed normal, in a way. Right, she did feel most normal. I mean, they cut to... Uh, there's all this emphasis on faces, right? And when they cut to Anna's, she's crying, she's emoting, you know, like, like a good human would. And with the others, it's just this inscrutable mask, really. Um, my, my wife was saying that because there's one, basically one poor person amidst a bunch of bourgeois rich people, and that she's the, the normal one, it felt kind of like Tolstoy, uh, especially with the set design. Oh yeah, big Victorian, yeah, the whole ritual of getting unrobed. And... Yeah, exactly, exactly. But I really, I mean, that's what I keep coming back to is the motherhood thing, is that they kind of become each other's mother and daughter because they've each lost one, and that as a result, those are the two that, you know, even though one of them goes through a lot of suffering and the other one's horribly abused, they still seem like people. Um, and the other ones just don't. They have this void. It, on that, I, I really liked how Liv Ullmann played both Marie and the mother. And at the at the last scene of between her and, her and her sister, she went in to, like, embrace, I guess. And she just became so disgusted with it. It was almost kind of like how she was describing in her uh, flashback how she didn't really have much to relate with her mother, except for the one time where she touched her cheek. It's like she's trying to get that back, but Marie killed it. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. Um, and if I remember right, yeah, she you said she played the mother, um, and I think her actual daughter played her daughter in the film, the daughter she had with Bergman in real life. Um, and I, but I remember thinking that even though she played the mother and Maria, I thought the the mother in the like I think the one flashback we see her in looked a lot like Anna. 
to kind of reinforce that motherhood theme. She had the same hair, similar she complexion. Hair, yeah. yeah, I thought that was probably deliberate. In fact, I, for a half a moment, just because I was a little confused in the first 10 minutes, I thought, wait a second, who am I looking at here? Yeah, I found it like quite hard to keep up with all the characters sometimes. Because, like I said, they look similar. So I definitely want to watch it again. Because I think it just needs to be seen. Like, I just think there's things I've missed out already. <laughs> yeah, there are... Um... There are films, I, I think it was Ebert who said something like this, I'm going to paraphrase and butcher it horribly, but something about how um, when you see a great film, you don't you don't know exactly why it's great, you just know there's more there, even though you haven't picked up on it yet. Did anyone else get that kind of vibe from this? That it's it, it, it doesn't feel complete after you've watched it, but you kind of feel like that's because you've missed something, not because it's not there. Yeah, I get that with Kieslowski a lot, actually. And I guess Bergman is specifically, like, pretty much all his films are like that. Even yeah, even if you don't understand the film, it's more you feel it. You feel its greatness, even if you don't really understand why it is. And in the same way, I'd say the same about Persona. Like I, I loved that when I first saw it, but I couldn't say I really understood everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you can still feel things, like you were saying before. One thing I thought was really interesting was just the just the philosophy of emotion, sort of. Uh, I, I mentioned a little earlier that, you know, Anna kind of lets her emotions out like a normal person would as things happen, um, and gradually. And Agnes, to a lesser extent, she's more suffering, so it's not as obvious. And the ones who don't, Karen, Karen and Maria, they just release them all at once. They bottle them up, and then they explode into, you know, literally mutilation or seducing a doctor. Or it's 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 not that they don't have them; it's just that they don't have a healthy way of, of letting them out gradually. And I don't know if you noticed when some of, during some of the redouts, if I can call them that. It's a good um, name for it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you could hear like. Yeah, creepy whispers. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it, that is a direct reference of what you're talking about. Oh, you think that's the that's the buildup? Those are the whispers, and the cries are when they explode. Cries and whispers. <laughs> Not to put too fine a point on it. Even they could be um, what they feel like they should be saying, but since we we aren't able to hear it, they don't have the bravery to express it. I like that. Well, like like voices in their heads, the stuff that's bouncing around in their head that they don't let out. Yeah, maybe. I like it, and that was very creepy, by the way. This almost felt like, well, this almost felt like a minimalist. Oh, yeah, it was creepy when you did it too. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, it felt like a really minimalist horror film at points, like where the monster yeah. never actually comes out. Very quiet overall, but the sound editing, like all the quiet sounds, you really hear them. Like even from the start, where she's writing with the pen, you can hear that over like the deafening silence, and it's like thought that yeah. worked really well. That pen scraping was incredible. Yeah, that was hitting my ears at the beginning. I had to turn the volume down. <laughs> was this in the beginning when she writes in the diary, Agnes? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he really focused on that, too. I thought I, I kept thinking, okay, I, I'm missing something, because he seems very concerned with this. I guess I guess he focuses on the on the on the writing because that's that's the end of the film. It's the bookends of the film. Uh, that's that's the uh, memento that uh, Anna steals after saying she doesn't want anything, and that. I mean that might put a coda on it a little bit, where she, you know, she's this woman who's uh, manifestly suffering the most in terms of physical pain, is actually the least miserable um, and is the most grateful for her life. All these other people and enduring all, all sorts of self-inflicted psychological trauma, 
you know, they're the unlucky ones. You know, we come in and we think that she's the unlucky one because she's dying, but she seems happiest and maybe most well-adjusted. Well, that's probably why he ended with her one diary entry. Right, exactly, yeah. I feel like I feel like this whenever I watch any Bergman film is that he's really just working this stuff out for himself. Like, it's, it's dueling philosophies, right? Like, which sister is he and which does he wish he were? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> it feels kind of aspirational. Like, maybe he's... Maybe he is Karen, you know. Um, he's known for having a volatile temper. He said a lot about that in his later life. Maybe he's the guy who blows up like Karen did, and he wishes he could be Agnes and, and suffer with nobility. was known to be a bad father, too. I mean, that would explain why this is these films are pretty inscrutable uh, to people, because they're so individu- individualistic, you know. They're, I don't know yeah. if they're supposed to be about the human condition so much as his condition. I think a lot of his films are meant to be like this, like a lot of autobiographical elements, because, like, Fanny and Alexander as well. That's mm-hmm. meant to be about his life and him growing up as well. Yeah, as well as scenes from a marriage, of course. But it, on that point, it's, I can't really think of a whole lot of directors who create women characters and seem to empathize with them as much as he does. I mean, I, I'm sure there's others, but I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I think he, <laughs> he's in love with the idea of a woman, not necessarily the women themselves. Hmm. So he wants to understand them, and he probably uses films to do that. Yeah, I like that. That makes a lot of sense. Plus, it, I was trying to say it doesn't feel like he's criticizing or anything. It's just an observation, or or it, it just feels natural, I guess. Like I don't feel like these women are impossible characters or anything. Even though they're extreme, they they feel real to you. Yeah. I uh, I, I kind of wonder um, if maybe... The, if Again, I'm still looking for a summary because that's the way I, I watch films, probably to a fault. Um, and if I had to pick one, um, I kind of wonder if maybe it's what the priest says as he, as he prays over Anna, where he talks uh, quite uh, depressingly, actually, about how she's the lucky one because they're the wretched ones left to be tortured on Earth. Um, and when, you hear, when I hear that in the beginning, I think, well, that's, you know, that's obviously a lovely sentiment uh, to help people through a loss. But then you see the rest of the film... And you think, well, mm, that might be literally true because they don't seem very happy. Yeah, it doesn't really get into why they don't have a good connection with each other either. Yeah, they, that's just pretty much left completely open to speculation, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't the point. I kind of wonder if uh, when, when I, I feel like when a director doesn't give you a reason for something like that, something that you would ostensibly really want a reason for, I always wonder if that's because that's just how they think life is. That suffering is a fact of life for Bergman, um, so it needs no explanation. I mean, that's certainly how a lot of his films read to me, at least. I had a couple observations. I really like to, whenever I see a film with a lot of uh, symbolism in, in it and everything, I like to look up the meanings of the names because I tend to think that's one of the first things the director would do is pick appropriate names. And uh, as it turns out, Agnes means chaste. Anna literally means grace. And uh, uh, Agnes even has a speech about grace specifically. Um, and yeah. Car- one, of the, one of the two possible meanings of Karen could be torture. And I remember that word came up multiple times, particularly with the priest. I don't know if any of that's deliberate, but it, it certainly struck me. Because the names feel important, because they say them so often. They don't say you, they don't say her, they say Agnes, Anna, Maria. They say the names a lot. Yeah, like at times, going back to what you said about how they all look similar, then the only way I could like keep up with who's who is the fact that every time they address themselves, they use their first names. Hmm, yeah, I thought that was interesting for sure. It, it was uncomfortably formal, actually. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good way to put it, right? These are all sisters living together. There's no one around to impress, really. Um, and Strange you're right to the point where that's uh, crazy. Yeah, it's it's very cold. I mean, the whole place feels like a museum, right? And they frame it kind of as such. Yeah, they do. And well, and when in the close up of the faces, as a result, look, they look like statues, sculptures. Yeah, actually, Marie's face in comparison to Karen's 
or caught in if you want. Uh, Marie always has a, a shade splitting her face in half, and then Karen always has no shadow at all. I don't, I don't know what the significance of that is, but I noticed that. I uh, I completely missed that. Um, geez, I guess if I had to guess, I mean, I remember thinking very late in the film that Marie seemed kind of uh, almost bipolar, because by the end of the film, she's assertive and confident, and before that, she was so tentative. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's got something to do with that. Karen, as as uneven as she was, was consistently uneven. At least, you know, <laughs> she, I mean, she wasn't very different at the end of the film than she was at the beginning. But Marie was, I thought. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a good observation, though. Uh, do you guys have any other, uh, I guess, parting thoughts? I mean, I, I don't want to ask you to put a star rating on a film like this because it really doesn't seem fair. <laughs> yeah, I I don't know why I'd give it now. <laughs> have to think about it. I think. It sounds like you both want to watch it again, though. Yeah, maybe with some popcorn and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not exactly a popcorn kind of film, is it? Well, I I know when you mentioned the museum aspect, the the character movement itself is more um, like floating instead of yeah um i noticed that as well like one of the scenes towards the end i think it's like i have a car and a marie when they're running through the house what danny said about the float and i noticed that like in a few scenes like towards the end when um marie or Karen were running through the rooms of the of the house the camera would stay close to them so you wouldn't actually see them running and it would be like they are floating between the different parts of the puzzle and the dresses were about floor length anyway so you really just yeah so they always seemed like ghosts, really. Yeah, I guess. It kind of fits in with the whole dreamlike flow, I guess. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That's a really so good point. You can barely keep track of what's real and what's not. It's like Rashomon with women. <laughs> Rashomon with women. I think that's a pretty good summary. Wild them in the end, you got hit. You can have flaws, problems, but wild them in the end, and you've got a hit.